this morning. If you are a first through fifth grader, first through fifth grade, now's the time for you to stand up and do your dance out to the back. You got your special time of teaching ready for you today. We're excited to, um, to have that. So I get this question a lot, and I got this question even last night, and they were like, well, what does your church have for children? And I'm like, well, um, we have a bouncy house, but we don't set that up every week, all right? <laughs> we, have it to, we have it today, though, for the picnic, which is going to be awesome. Um, and you can only be this tall to get in the bouncy house, so Jacob, you're out. Angela, you're in, all right? So it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. So, um, but it's always a, it's a challenge because a lot of times families are like, well, I, I want something for my kids to go to every week. And I, uh, and I just say, right, the way that it is right now, we, we, we do a little special thing for them on the first Sunday, second and third Sunday, they have their own time of teaching. The last Sunday of the month, we do communion together. And I just love it when families worship together. And I think kids need to learn to worship together. And if they're old enough to sit still in school, they can sit still here in church and worship and they can they'll get something out of it. And then you can take it, what you learn, you break it down and you teach it to them when you get home. We encourage families to do that. We encourage families to disciple their own children. And so, um, but you know, for some people they say, Brady, well, that your church is never gonna grow beyond a certain size then because families just won't come. And, and as, a, as it is right now, that's just who we are. Because the way that we believe uh, the family is structured and the, the way we wanna encourage parents to be the primary disciple maker in their home, will continue to do so until things change and so but right now your kids can go and have a good time and learn and and ask them what they learned about when you're hanging out with them later on well my name is pastor brady tesler it's good to be here with you today we are on the verge of our third anniversary as a church and god has been so good to us he's brought lots of new faces and different faces into into our midst over the last three years it's always good to reconnect with people that I've known for a while. It's always good to meet new faces. And thank you so much for being with us here today. So we're going uh, to review a little bit um, from last week. We started, we started this unpacking our mission statement as a church. And we looked at the first part of that mission statement last week. And the mission statement goes, as a Christ-centered com- um, community, our mission is to create space for all people, all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father and to discover the calling he has for their life. That's part of the reason why the name of this church is the Calling Community Church. So last week we looked at how we, um, how we experience the compassionate love of the Father through supernatural experiences. And God just coming to us in a whisper or in a, in a very obvious sign a, through a message or through a, a sermon or through a uh, song or whatever it is that he uses to get our attention. But we also talked about how he gives us supernatural everyday moments through his people to, to demonstrate his compassionate love. And I gave you several examples of how God just demonstrated that to me just, just in the day before we had church last week. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the story of David and Goliath here in a little bit too in 1 Samuel or chapter 17. But Romans chapter 12, so let's go to the first slide. 
And so that's this kind of like the, the title for our time together today is Mission Part 2 and Discover the Calling He Has for Their Life. That's the desire we have for you is to discover the calling that God has for your life. So next slide. So in Romans, in Romans, that therefore piece, I would, I would say that therefore, since we experience God's compassionate love through supernatural ways and through super like holy normal ways, therefore, our response to that is, is an urge, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's true and proper, and it's necessary, and it's just called upon us to give ourselves back to him based on what he's already done for us, right? Can I get an amen? All right, that's just the way it is. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We believe that coming to church, being in his word, being around other believers, other people who are, who are sharing God's word, helps our mind be transformed, and we think differently about the things that we used to be, be involved in. We just look at those things. Then we get a different worldview when our ma- mind is transformed. Then it says you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, so here's my thought. You will never know what your calling is until you give yourself to the one who gives you that calling. I mean, you'll just never know. Now, you might do some incredible other things, and you might experience some great things here on earth and maybe have a great career and, and maybe even solve huge world problems and all kinds of things, but you'll never know what God has really, truly called you to until you've given yourself to him. It's an if and then. In this passage of Scripture, look for the if and then. If God has already done so much for you based on his mercy, then offer yourself to him. If you offer yourself to him, which is your true and spiritual or pure act of worship, you're actually going to then experience what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is in your life. And you're going to practice that all the days of your life. It's not going to be just a one and done kind of thing. You're going to continue to practice that uh, as you go. Come into different seasons of your life. I know when uh, I just look at these young families with these little ones, when we had children, when I had my first child, my worldview changed a lot just the way that I saw the world around me and and my responsibilities and those kind of things. It was a process that I went through. Next slide. So here's the truth. Why are you laughing? Everyone has skills. Do you know that? All of you, how many of you don't know who this guy is? Just raise your hand, just be honest. You're like, I have no idea who that guy is, all right? He's a, it's a cult classic. It's uh, not a cult like a religious cult. It's just, it's just a classic, right? His name is Napoleon Dynamite, okay? And Napoleon knew that girls like guys with skills, you know, like computer hacking skills and nunchuck skills. And we're not talking about computer hacking and nunchuck skills here this morning, but every single one of you walk in here today with unique abilities, and, and if you don't believe me, just look what happened outside this morning, even before you got here. Everybody with a unique ability showed up, and they put their skills to use, and they created a fun opportunity for you after church is over. And that happens every Sunday morning here. Tony has skills. If I went and picked up that guitar and put my foot up to that drum, it would not be the same, right? Because I don't have those same skills. 
Tony has them. Now, could I develop those skills with lots of practice? Probably not ever as good as he I could at least maybe strum and do the thing at the same time. I can't even rub my tummy and pat my head at the same time, so it'd be a struggle. Do you see what I'm saying? Everyone has skills. And you can use those skills for your career, you know, to support your family, to do good things, good works here on the earth, because God gave you those skills for a purpose. But here's the reality. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given spiritual skills, and the Bible would call them spiritual gifts, okay? You've been given gifts to use. So let's look at the next part of Romans chapter 12. So 3 through 8, it says, For by grace given me, Paul says, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Okay? So we come in with these gifts and these skills, not with this like, well, I'm better than you because God gave me this skill. But he says instead, he says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. So, God gives us all a measure of faith and we're not to think more highly of ourselves just because maybe uh, we have greater faith adventures than others or whatever. We're supposed to look with sober judgment accordance with this faith God has given to us. For just as each of us, as one body with many members, just like we all have this body that we're living in and it has many different members and it says that all the members do not all have the same function. Like my hand doesn't do the exact same thing my foot does okay so in Christ though many form one body it says each member belongs to all the others okay so we're all a part of one body every single one of us come in here this morning we have all these different skills and then as we give our lives to Christ he comes to to live inside of us and he gives us gifts to use and all of us have different gifts some, say, some similar, but yet they're different because they're unique to us. So listen to what it says. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Brady Rogers has a gift of evangelism, and he has a measure of faith that I just try to attain, like I try to like reach for, you know, because he's just bold, and he has this faith, and it's an evangelistic gift that he's been given, okay? So it says if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If, God, if you have the ability to be given a word, like God to kind of speak something to you and he wants you to share it with someone else, uh, then do it according, according to the faith that's been given to you. Now, some of you might think, well, I, is that really real? Does that really happen? I have multiple experiences in my life where someone has been given a word, God like said, hey, I want you to go share this with this man. Complete strangers have walked up to me and said, hey, I have a word for you. Now, I want to caution you. If someone says that to you, hey, God has a word for you, like girls especially. If a guy says, uh, God gave me a word for you and it has something to do with you and me being together, all right? You want to like filter that a little bit, all right? You want to Really, let's just see what the Bible has to say. Let me go talk to my friends. Let me talk to my parents. I always tell my daughters, I'm a good filter, all right? If, if you just come and let me filter what these guys are saying, and I'll tell you whether it's true or not. So you want to be careful, but, but I've had instances where someone has come up to me and say, hey, hey, I feel like God has a word for you today, and they've shared it. And here's how you know that it's true. It lines up with God's word, and it comes true. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. 
So some people have that gift. If it is serving, then serve. Some people just love to serve. They don't even care what it is you want them to do. Just, hey, what can I do? Today a guy walked in, I handed him a broom, and he swept this whole floor. And he served. It's a gift of service. It's just a gift of being available and being uh, willing to actually do it. If it is teaching, then you should teach. We have a lot of teachers in our church. And if you have the, that gift, then you can use that gift, not just within the church, obviously, but you can use that same gift in your classroom. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Do you know anybody like that? And you just love to be around them because they just make you feel better. They just have something to say to you, just the smile on their face, just the... Um, they're just, they're, they're just, their countenance is different. And when you're around them, you just feel good. Or maybe you're that person. Maybe you just, when you walk into a room, people just get encouraged because you're there. This is the pastor's favorite part right here. If it is giving, then give generously. Okay, you're gonna have that opportunity as you leave the auditorium today. You can give, if that's your gift, then use it. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. Take opportunities to be. Some of you have got a gift of leadership and people just seem to follow you wherever you go because you just, you know what you're doing and where you're going. If it is to show mercy, then you need to do it cheerfully. I believe that God uses your skills and your gifts in unique ways to, to not only just function here on earth, but to serve him and to serve others. Okay, that's the reason why he has given those things to you okay next next slide first samuel chapter 17 okay let's just a little interaction here a little interaction tell me what do you know about this story david and goliath okay i know we're kind of spread out a little bit but what do you know about the story what are what are the who are the main characters in the story david and goliath all right they're not the only ones in the story, but they're like the two main guys, right? So what's going on in the story? Like, why does David even come in contact with the Goliath? What, what was he even doing there in the first place? Anybody know? He's bringing his brother some food. His father said, take, it's like 36 pounds of food. Carry this food to your brothers and go. He actually said, go and bring me back a token. Bring me back a report. Like, actually, could you just prove to me my, bro, my sons are still alive I think the father was a little concerned. And it says in the story that they, um, the Philistine army and the, Israelite, the Israel army, they would, all, they would all gather on one hillside and another, and there's a valley in between. And it says they gathered for battle, and for 40 days in a row, in morning and at night, this guy named Goliath, this giant, would come out from the battle line step in front of all his people, maybe go down into the valley, and he'd be like, all right, who's man enough to come take me on? Like, if you beat me, I look at Mike, and Mike's like, I could take him. <laughs> Mike's like, I got a strategy, I know how to do this. <laughs> I've seen this in a movie once, so it's gonna be good. <laughs> all right? And so, 40 days, this guy came out and said, all right, who among you is man enough to come and to conquer me. And if you conquer me, then, then obviously then we're all yours because the rest of my army is going to, they're going to be in fear. They're going to flee. 
the, then it said on the Israelite side, Saul the king said, hey, if you conquer this guy, I'll give you whatever you want. You can have my daughter. I wouldn't give him my daughter. You got to earn it, you know. <laughs> you can do something more than just kill a giant. But that was the deal. And so that was going on. And there's lots of different stories that you can, that you could tell or messages that can be preached from this story. But let's just look at, in the context of, of unique calling and the things that God is equipping you to do here on earth, okay? And so let's look at this very familiar story and see what we can learn from it. So it starts in verse, or chapter 17, David and Goliath. I talked about this champion named Goliath. How many know how tall they say Goliath was? How tall was he? Nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine feet, nine inches tall. So this guy was huge, six cubits in a span. I figured I would be four cubits and a third of a span if I did the math correctly. So I'd be, obviously he's three feet taller, three and a half feet taller than I am. Big man. And it says, for, this is verse 16. For 40 days, the, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Anything else significant about the number 40 in the Bible? Have you heard this, the number before? How many days was Jesus in the desert being tempted? 40. How many days did it rain? Day and night it rained when Noah was in the ark. 40. And there's, there's just, you kind of see that throughout Scripture. There's some significance in numbers. And so for 40 days he did this. And that was right, right after this passage of Scripture. It was now when David, uh, David's dad, Jesse, told him to go take the food. Go bring me back a report. Let me know how it's going. And so David gets there and he, hears the, he, he sees this happen. And he sees his fellow soldiers quaking in fear. And he's like, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. We have God on our side. Why, why are you guys so afraid? He's just a man. He's just one man. And so he starts inquiring. And then I love this little, little sibling thing going on. The oldest brother's like, David, what are you even doing here, man? Like, you, you, you're always, you're so conceited. And you think you, oh, yeah, so you killed, killed a bear. You killed a lion with your bare hands. Like, big deal. Like, why are you here? And I think maybe he was just a little bit jealous. Like, oh, great. Let's see how this is going to go. The little brother's going to make the big brother look bad. Ever, that, ever have that happen in your life? Maybe if you're a little brother, you like to play that role, all right? The big brother, not so much. And so Saul, the king, got wind of what was going, what was going on, and so he called David to come to him. And then so listen, look at verse 33. Well, that's 32, actually, because David told the king, he says, let no one lose heart on account of this guy. Your servant will go and fight him. And the king replied, you're not able to go out against this, this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. Goliath, his calling from a very young age was to be a warrior. That's what he was groomed to do. And that's what he was equipped to do. That's what he was built to do. <laughs> and that's what he did. That was his calling. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. Anybody else would be like, man, sorry for that sheep. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I'm not going after it. But he went after it, it said, and he rescued it 
it, when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Because David had, I believe, the spiritual gift of faith. And he had, not, he, he had it, but he had also seen it, seen God's work in his life. He'd already experienced the compassionate love of the Father. He already saw God deliver him. And so he had reason to believe that God would deliver him then too. I say that to you because I want you to, I want you to draw upon the things in your past that you know God was there. When it was a difficult situation and you got through it, but I know it's in my flesh, I'm just like this, I know it's so easy then to begin to doubt a little bit further on down the road and why is it that we so easily forget what God has already done for us? You know, he's won the victory. We sang about it. And so we sometimes forget. But David was like, no, I remember what God has done for me. There's no reason why he's not going to do this for me again. Saul said to David, I love this, then go and let the Lord be with you. Good luck. May the force be with you, was the way he probably said it. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And then David said, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with the sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You cannot and should not Walk in someone else's calling. And that's what Saul tried to do to David. David, do it like I'm doing it. Dress like me. Act like me. Do it the, same, the only way that I know how. You might have your own unique calling in your life, but don't try to project that onto somebody else. To say, well, you have to do it like me if you're going to do it the right way. Man, that happens in church all the time, doesn't it? Well, if you're going to sing, you've got to sing just like Shannon. Well, good luck, because there's only one Shannon in this room, all right? And she's got this unique calling on her life. But that's what happened in this story. Like, try to do it like somebody else. And we sometimes try to run somebody else's race. And it's not effective. We've got to run the race he's called us to run. We all have a unique Story. I look at my son. Nobody has that story but my son. Nobody. Nobody has Tony's story except for Tony. And, that's, and he can go on and say it about each one of you. So don't try to wear somebody else's clothing. Don't, don't wish you were like somebody else and gifted like somebody else. Be grateful and thankful that you're gifted the way that you are. And now say, God, what do you want me to do with this? So what did David do with it? Well, he went out and he conquered. He did exactly what God had equipped him and called him to do. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him, that's a great job, right? Did he lose a bet or something? Hey, you're going to carry this huge shield and stand in front of the Goliath that everybody wants to kill, right? Yeah, that's a bad job. That was, that was a bad calling. <laughs> Poor guy. Sometimes he got stuck with it. He looked David over, saw that he was a little more than a boy, I love where it says, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. 
This is verse 43. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. David said to him, you come, at me against, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down. And since the little kids aren't here anymore, I will cut off your head this very day, he said. And the carcasses, and it says, the, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know. Listen, I love this part. I love this part because this is the number one reason why God gives you gifts is so that the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, that there is a God here on earth that is alive and he's well. That's the reason why he wants you to use your gifts. All of those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. All right, so you can get really preachy at this moment. You can say whatever battle it is that you're going through is the Lord's, <laughs> okay? And he will deliver you. It may not happen right when you think it should happen, but it will happen. And when it does, who gets the glory for it? The Lord, right? Because only he could do it. Well, you know how the story goes. David goes out, he does his thing, hits the guy in the head, falls down. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think... Goliath was dead when he hit the ground? Or do you think he was dead after David took his sword and killed him with it <laughs> and cut off his head? I don't know. It's just a question. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really have any, any relevance, but I think it knocked him out. And then David went, you know, imagine David hit him and he's like, he's down. Think of the faith it required of him to go ahead and just finish the job. Like, like I don't know, man. Like, if you ever, like, Thought you killed a snake, but I'm not sure if it's dead or not. Like, should I go up and try to, like, remove it? And, like, he went over to him. He's like, man, he's like, can you imagine how big the sword was? Pulls it out, finishes the job. David's calling was multiple things. He was a shepherd. He was a hero. He was a writer because he wrote so many songs. And then he was a king. You might have multiple callings in your life. You may have, you may be titled a father and a, and a husband, which those, just being a husband alone, that's, that's a great title. Um, you could be a manager. You could be an evangelist. You could be a mom. You could be a grandmother. You could be whatever it is, fill in the blank. Next slide. This is just something that I just think is cool to look at. Lecrae is a, is a Christian hip-hop hip artist. He's an incredible influence in his culture. Success isn't what you've done compared to others. I love these guys. Look at these guys. Are they focused? Are they looking around to the other guy? Like, hey, what are you doing? How are you running? How did you take off? No. Their head is down. They're laser focused. They're staying in their lane. Success is what you've done compared to what you were made to do. Next slide. You have skills and gifts that God has given you to serve Him and to serve others. Let 
And we, as we look around, as we look around in our world, there's no, there's no way to uh, miss the need that is going on around us. I mean, it's so obvious. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to introduce you to several different ways that you can use what God has given you to do something. To do something. Next slide. Oh, go back to it. If you can get back to it. How many of you have ever seen the, uh, the State Farm commercial? Right? It's, it's amazing when, the, uh, when a company can capture, capture your heart. You know, this is just insurance. This is just encourage, the insurance company encouraging to do something to make a difference in the world. And so we have, a, we have the video clip that goes with this. Um, and so Ryan, do me a favor on the light board. Over to your left where it says, says house lights, right? See it on the far, far left. Can you see it? Maybe you can find it. It doesn't matter. Let's just show the video. Because I think it's just a powerful picture. So the challenge is to discover where you're gifted, what are the skills that God has given you, and figure out a way to put them into practice. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. That's how we function. That's how we are supposed to make an impact in the world that we live in. That's our calling. So let me ask you, whose responsibility is it? Jesus has already done everything necessary so that when you put your hope and trust in him, he comes and he comes with gifts and he gives you those gifts and these, these incredible, unique abilities to serve him. And then he says it's your responsibility to put him into practice. It's your responsibility to offer yourself as that living sacrifice so that when you do that, you'll discover what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your life. And when you walk in that calling, there's no greater joy. Will there be some struggles? Will there be difficulty in the midst of the calling? Absolutely. Is there difficult in life? <laughs> Breathing in and out every day, going to work? Yeah, absolutely. So here's some practical, I'm going to give you some practical application and then uh, a little more inspiration and we'll be done. So let's go to the next slide. If you go to the callingcommunitychurch.com and you click on the serving tab at the top right part of the, of the screen, down towards the bottom, you will find this slide. And what does it say at the top? What's it say? I'm glad you asked that question because I have an answer for you. First, if you've never done this before, this is a simple and a free application. 
click on spiritual gifts and it'll take you to a spiritual gift assessment. It's like 70 questions. You cruise through it. You answer them as you are, not as you want to be, okay? Like, like, no, it's just who I am and you answer them honestly. And at the end, it's not like 100% like, boom, now you're a missionary. You got to move to China kind of experience. Now, if God tells you that, once again, filter it, see what God's word, go back to the other, some other people, discover what your spiritual gifts are. And I would encourage you to, to share that with someone else. Share with me, like, hey, Brady, I took the test. It says I have a gift of administration. Like, and then you're like, I love paper. And I'll be like, praise God, because I don't. I love people. I don't love paper. So come and help the church do, do some administrative stuff may say that you have a gift of mercy. You want to show mercy and you, you feel joy when you're giving and showing mercy. Figure out ways to do that. Oh, well then fill out the, the last one that says ready to serve. Click that on and it'll give you a, a form to fill out with some thoughts of like things that you can do. And actually right above that how can I serve are all the different ministries or areas you can serve right here in church. And we have, we always have needs. We always have more, we have room for people to serve. And if you do it in your giftedness and you experience joy, that's the perfect place for you. That's our, that's our hope. So fill that form out. It'll generate an email to me. And then what I will do is I'll let the people that are in the charge of those areas say, hey, so-and-so signed up today. They, they, they really want to be more involved in this area. And then there's a, just a quick little um, orientation that goes with that. And you jump in and you start serving. Okay, that's just the first step. You might be doing that. I started volunteering as a, with the youth pastor at the First Baptist Church in Platte City, just hanging out with students. And then a year later, I discovered my calling as a pastor. Just because I volunteered. And I just said, hey, I'll just do whatever you need me to do and turn into be a, a, an incredible adventure. Okay, last slide. Back to Romans chapter 12. So let's say you, you've kind of unpacked your, your gifts, you've taken the test, you've been involved. Maybe some of you have served in church and you've been involved. There are people that are here that serve so much in some churches that you're just worn out and you're like, I'm done, I'm retired. Well, guess what? You don't get to retire. You don't retire. You're, if you, God has given you that gift and you're still breathing, like she was saying, as long as I'm breathing, I'll keep praising him. And you look for ways that you can serve. That is not fair to the rest of the people around you. You do your part. You don't want your left hand to take the day off. <laughs> you want it to function, to hold the stuff. Here in a little bit, you're going to want your left hand to hold your, the other side of that plate that you're going to be filling up, okay? So let's say you're gifted, you discovered all these things, you've got, and you're, maybe you're serving in ministry, and it's going awesome, and you're starting to feel pretty good about yourself. And then this last reminder the end of chapter 12 in Romans. He's like, in the midst of discovering your gift and your calling, you're serving, and that's wonderful. He goes, but don't forget, Romans 12, verse 9, your love for one another must be sincere. While we're serving together, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. 
You are to be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient when the affliction comes, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Practice loving on each other. Practice inviting people into your lives and into your homes and just eating together, hanging out together. I was in a home the other day, these gracious people, and they fed me, and they're like, our home is, is available. If you guys just want to come over and just, they have a pool, they have an incredible home, and they say, it's available. So we're all going there tonight at six o'clock. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but some night, maybe we'll go there, and it'll be awesome. Bring your swimsuit. Bless those who persecute you. Ugh. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do you know that's, that's the place I live as your pastor? Man, I'm tr- I always try to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do I always do it? No, I fail. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Man, if we all followed that, man, it's, it's, as long as it's up to me, I'm just going to live at peace with these people. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Invite your enemy to the picnic right after church. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. It's just a, it's a, it's a picture of great blessing on their life. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray. As the worship team comes, we'll finish up our time. Thank you, Father, for all of the unique giftings and skills that are represented in this room. We are the body of Christ. So therefore, when we all function the way you call us to function, we carry Jesus with us wherever we go. And that is the thing we want more than anything else, is we want people to experience Jesus. Because he is the one who gave himself up for them so that they might have life. And I think part of that life abundant is discovering the way it is that you've gifted them so that they can use those gifts to to glorify you and to relieve the suffering of someone else so that when they experience your compassionate love, God, that they will offer themselves as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. so that they will then tell others about Jesus. It's a, it's a beautiful picture, it's a beautiful cycle that you want us to repeat over and over again. So I pray for, right now, I pray for those 
of you that might be here and you say, you know what, I don't know that I have spiritual gifts because I've never given my life to Jesus. Well, you're in the right place. And you can, you can come and you can pray and you can ask Christ to, to forgive you of your sin, to, to be the Lord of your life, to be your Savior, to walk with you, to gift you, to use you to make a difference in the lives of other people. If you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never prayed and said, Jesus, I'm yours, take me as I am. Maybe you do that today while it's still called today, while you still have an opportunity. You can come and you can pray. You can pray right where you're at. But call on the name of the Lord and the Bible says you'll be saved. Amen.